that was fantastic. Uh, that was a pretty good sermon right there. Uh, I'm still going to preach another one, but that was a really good sermon. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake. Pray. Amen. Well, uh, despite the weather outside this morning, um, it is uh, summer. And despite the weather outside this morning, it, it feels different this year, doesn't it? It feels different, certainly, from last summer. Uh, and I hope different from next summer, too. You know, last summer at this time, we were, uh, we were still quarantining and not leaving house much at all. Uh, we were still disinfecting the groceries we brought home or had delivered from the store. Um, last summer, a vaccine was still somewhere off in the indeterminate future. Next summer... Next summer, I hope we get to go wherever we want to go and do whatever we want to do and not worry too much about occupancy limits or vaccine rates or mask requirements. But the truth is, um, no one's quite sure what's, what's ahead of us yet. So this summer, we find ourselves in this, in, this, uh, in this interesting space where we're still affected, we're still impacted by this COVID pandemic, but we're also definitely looking forward. Well, this summer, summer, on Sundays, we are going to read uh, Philippians. Over the next seven Sundays in our worship services, we're going to read this letter that St. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And of course, this is an ancient text, but I think we're going to find that it's very fitting for the space we find, in, or find ourselves in this summer. And, and one of the themes, as you've guessed, that recurs again and again in this letter is joy. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. And uh, right here at the start, I'd like to invite all of you to remember an experience of joy that you've had in your life. And it doesn't have to be an especially profound experience. It certainly doesn't have to be a religious experience. It doesn't even have to be a recent experience. But I invite you to remember joy. And to help spark that flame, I've asked four people in our congregation to share briefly an experience of joy that they've had. And so uh, let's watch. This is one of the simple joys in my life right now. Good morning, everybody. I'm up here on Mount Tabor today. I get up here most days of the year on my bicycle for some exercise uh, to look for birds, sometimes take a few photographs. Uh, I'm lucky in that I live in the neighborhood, I'm retired, and I've been able to continue uh, this routine even during the pandemic. Uh, it's not lost on me that uh, Mount Tabor, the name, has some biblical significance. It was another Mount Tabor, perhaps, uh, where uh, Jesus went with his disciples. Uh, he spoke to Moses and Elijah, and God spoke. Uh, I guess I can't say that I've necessarily heard God speak on this Mount Tabor, but I've definitely experienced God through birdsong and through being among the trees and wildflowers. And I, uh, I find a great deal of joy in being up here regularly. Hi, 
I'm Christina Moss, and if you look behind me on my door, you can see some of what's been bringing me joy in the past year, which has been a lot of sending and receiving cards through the mail. So for me, this started as a way of thinking about how I could give joy, how I could share joy. And then, of course, as these things are want to happen, I also started getting cards back. Uh, and so that was then receiving joy. Uh, and thanks to USPS informed delivery, I also get to anticipate it because I know what's coming on any given day. And then I have that moment of excitement when the mail delivery person drops it off. And it's a great way to stay connected and to be reminded that I am loved and to remind others that they are loved. And that's been one of my main joys this year. A moment of joy I'd like to share happened a few years back in October of 2019. My kids were then five and six years old, and a weekend came up where we didn't have any commitments, and the forecast was beautiful. We hastily planned a quick one-night backpack trip for us up to the site of a former fire lookout. The trip wasn't particularly long or hard, but it was uphill the whole way, and I was really proud of the kids for making it and surviving a night up in the mountains where the temperature dipped below freezing. The real moment of joy came for me early the next morning. My son Finn and I woke up just before the sun rose and sat outside on the edge of a bluff watching the scene unfold. We watched the first rays of sunlight rise from behind Mount Jefferson and reach across the landscape and warm our faces. It was a particularly quiet morning. No wind, no birds, no sounds of people or roads, just stillness. The world below was calm and beautiful as smoke hung in the valleys. I remember just sitting there with my son, being thankful that we could experience such beauty in the world together. From a different vantage, it would have been an unremarkable morning, but the warmth and the joy I felt still resonates for me today. The joy of holding a newborn grandchild. The joy of hearing birdsong in the midst of God's creation. Joy of giving and receiving cards from friends, uh, the joy of a still sunrise with your son on the side of a mountain in the Cascades. So, thank you. That was uh, Allison Nelson, Bob Hoffman, Christina Moss, and the last was Danny Warren. And I hope you can remember uh, an experience of joy too. In this letter, Paul uh, repeatedly writes about joy. And we heard it in the, the text we uh, read this morning. I thank my God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. And then he picks it up in chapter two and he says, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love. Chapter three begins, finally, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. And again, in chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. So it runs through the letter. But what's really interesting to me, what's intriguing, I think what's terrifically significant as well, is that Paul is writing this letter from prison. Paul had been arrested. Paul was being held in custody, likely in a jail in Rome. And it wasn't at all clear that Paul was going to walk out of there alive. And yet this constant theme, joy. Now, Paul is writing this letter to a group of Jesus followers uh, in a city, Philippi, a city that had been colonized by the Romans. And among the Roman citizens of that city, there was significant anti-Jewish sentiment. And remember, Paul was Jewish. Paul had started this church. Paul would be accused of importing Jewish customs, habits, 
practices that ran counter to the Roman culture. And so this was a church that was experiencing significant prejudice in their city. They were experiencing public pressure. They're experiencing even persecution. And so Paul is writing this letter to encourage them, right? So in chapter one, a little later, we'll read it next week. He writes uh, to them to, to live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In chapter two, he encourages them, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In chapter four, he writes, keep on doing the things that you've learned and received and heard. And then to bolster their faith, Paul models for them the joy that comes of faith in Jesus, the joy that comes of faithfulness to the ways and to the wisdom of Jesus. Because Paul knows from his own experience that, that joy is, is not self-generated. It's not like the pleasures that we can sometimes gin up in our own lives. He also knows that it's not determined by circumstances. I mean, he's writing from prison after all. Paul knows that joy comes as we, as we connect our lives to the loving kindness and the peacefulness and, and the creative power of God that's at work in the world, making all things new, making all things whole again. And so we hear that again in this text, in, in, in verse five, Paul writes that he's constantly praying with joy because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And in verse seven, it's because all of you share in God's grace with me. So joy comes, as Paul writes it anyway, as we connect our lives to the current of God's grace, of God's beauty, of God's purpose that runs through the world. I've always been drawn to the joy, to the definition of joy that comes from, from Rollo May. He wrote this in his book, The Courage to Create. I propose that joy is the experience of this is the way things are meant to be. If only for a moment we participate in the act of creation. Order comes out of disorder, form out of chaos, as it did in the creation of the universe. The sense of joy comes from our participation in the work of creation. So in that video, it's the joy of holding a newborn grandchild, the joy of creating, sending, receiving gifts from others, the bird song in the midst of God's great beauty, the, the beauty of God's creation, and then, uh, and then the stillness of sunrise in the Cascades. Joy is the experience of this is the way things are meant to be. It comes with the act of participating in the act of creation and of recreation. And that's how Paul, languishing in prison, can experience joy. It's how the church in Philippi, facing prejudice, facing pressure, can experience joy by sharing in the grace, in the gospel, in the goodness of God at work in the world. So joy doesn't preclude loss. It doesn't preclude uncertainty or pain. But whatever space we find ourselves comes of trusting that underneath us, around us, beyond us, through us, and through all of creation, runs the love of God that carries us toward peace, that carries us toward equity, that carries us toward wholeness, that carries us toward the way things are meant to be. Now this summer, you know, Portland Mennonite Church, we're not um, in peril in the way the church in Philippi was, and, and, and we're not, at least I don't think any of us are in prison like Paul was. But, you know, these last 15 months have been difficult. Some of us have suffered significant loss in our lives. Some of us have struggled with the acute sense of isolation. Uh, all of us have lived with the traumatic disruption of life caused by COVID. And so it's taken a toll on all of us. You know, I read an article a while back by a psychologist named Adam Grant. 
which he described what he called the dominant emotion of 2021. And he described it using the word languishing. The title of his article was, there's a name for the why you're feeling. It's called languishing. And looking back on 2020, 2021, he wrote, it wasn't burnout. We still had energy. It wasn't depression. It didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat aimless. Languishing. It's when we feel just sort of meh about life. Not all the time necessarily, but I suspect all of us at some point have felt like we were languishing in the midst of this pandemic. Well, in Philippians, Paul holds up joy as an antidote. He reminds the Philippians of joy. And we still need to be reminded of joy. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book about joy, Surprised by Joy. And in it, he writes, all joy reminds. It is never a possession. Always a desire for something longer ago or farther away or still about to be. All joy reminds. Reminds us of the way things are meant to be. It reminds us of the love of God that's at the center of all creation. It reminds us of the hope and the promise of the beloved community that Jesus talked about. A community in which everyone will have what they need to flourish. It reminds us of the spirit at work in and through and among us mending and healing. And making the world whole, making the world right, making the world just again. So remember joy in a world in which things are not always the way they're meant to be. In our lives when things are not always the way they're meant to be. In this summer where we've been languishing, when things are just sort of meh, joy reminds. It reminds us of what's good, of what's beautiful, what's merciful, just. It reminds us of the hope of our faith. So remember joy this summer. And remember joy as we start looking ahead beyond this summer. You know, in this pandemic, um, many of the patterns, the habits, the norms, the assumptions, the practices of the past have been completely disrupted. And it's pretty clear that we're not going to just flip a switch and go back to the way it was. So looking ahead, there are going to be a lot of choices for us to make, a lot of habits, a lot of patterns to reset. And on the one hand, that's an opportunity for us to sort of recalibrate our lives. It's an opportunity for us to imagine a new normal. On the other hand, I find I worry a little bit. And as a pastor, I worry a little bit. I worry because if we're not intentional about recalibrating, about resetting the patterns and the practices of our lives, that we can just sort of get carried along by whatever it is we've gotten used to, by whatever's easiest, or by whatever seems to be most urgent in any particular moment. And I should say as a pastor, it's not that I'm, I'm worrying that, you know, attendance is going to go down once we start to meet in person in the months ahead. Uh, I'm not worried that because of, you know, we've gotten out of the habit of getting up on Sunday and coming to church, or we've gotten in the habit of sitting on the couch in our PJs and drinking a cup of coffee. I, I'm worried because of what I remember and what I don't want to lose. I remember joy. I remember the joy of, of singing our thanks and our praise together in this resonant space. I remember the joy that we saw in that video earlier, the joy of kids just sort of coursing through this space on Sunday mornings. And the, the memory that always comes to mind for me is, is, in, is in September 
when we they come up from for children's time, we give them those metal containers, bowls, and cups, and we send them out all through the sanctuary. And they're out there collecting coins from adults, and it's kind of chaotic, and they're raising money for the, the peace and development and uh, relief programs of MCC. I often find myself thinking in those moments, this is the way it's meant to be. I remember the joy of, of, of Thanksgiving potlucks. When, when this building is filled, not just downstairs, but now we got to fill upstairs in the old chapel, filled with people sitting around tables, heavily laden, sharing a meal with friends, and then extending that table out to our partnership with ministries like the Night Strike, to our emerging partnership with Family Promise to, to create a family shelter for folks experiencing homelessness here in Southeast Portland. So as we're looking at Uh, Brad, something happened with your microphone. Okay. That wasn't the most joyful moment I'm going to remember from this sermon. But um, as we're looking ahead to the summer, uh, as looking ahead to whatever's going to come beyond, uh, remember joy and then figure out ways to connect your lives to the current of God's grace, of God's beauty, of God's purpose that runs through creation. And then start to develop the habits again that connect you to the love of God. Love that we trust will carry us toward peace, toward equity, toward wholeness, toward the way things are meant to be. So remember joy. Thanks be to God. And as we sing together now, um, may you be rooted and grounded in love. Let this be our prayer.